1: And calling American Express, I'm like, I'm going to need to raise my limit. And they're like, yeah. why? I'm like, well, I'm trying to have a baby. And I'd like <laughs> to at least get points so when this goes south, I can go to Italy for a trip. Like, Exactly. That's I- my first I mean, question
2: is like, do you take credit card?
3: Because yeah, um, literally. I need the points. <laughs> Your husband's going to love that.
1: If I turn 40 before this baby comes home, you're going to hear the scream from New York City. Get me this baby. Get me this baby. <laughs>
2: So today we are talking to a very special guest. So I've been introduced to Becky Fawcett recently from Help Us Adopt. And she is basically a fountain of knowledge when it comes to private adoption. Um, she's gone through the process herself and I don't know, just our first conversation together. I, I, I I learned a lot in like 10 minutes and I'm like, okay, yes, you're coming on the podcast. (laughs) Please give us stop talking right now
3: because I, I need to ask all these questions again.
2: (laughs) But this is something that we've talked about a lot recently because we've been considering adoption. It's always been on our mind. It has been, but more and more so as we get farther down the surrogacy road, we're like, whoa, should we have looked at private adoption first or more seriously?
3: Or also like, oh, wow, there's maybe a, th- a lot of things we didn't know or a lot of questions we didn't know to ask. And so if we eventually want to go down the adoption road, let's get super-duper informed. Even not saying we weren't informed well, right. Um, but let's get extra, extra, extra informed mm-hmm. so that we, well, I mean, who can say if there's going to be hiccups, but so and that we know all the twists can prepare for. I don't know how y'all
2: feel that are listening to this right now, but going through just these previous episodes that we've done learning more and more about these different systems. I just feel more equipped um, and more empowered to make mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. decisions. And I think that's where what's led us to hear of like, okay, let's talk to Becky. I actually want to know how, how we can adopt and figure it out and see, like, if that's going to be be the best path for us going forward or if we're going to continue with surrogacy or or, or which one we're going to do first.
3: And shine a spotlight on um, help us adopt and how that is Uh, potentially an avenue for...
2: Other people looking. So, without further ado, welcome back to another episode of Who's Your Daddy podcast, where we work to demystify the process of starting a family through non traditional means. From
3: foster to adoption to IVF and surrogacy, come along as we navigate this tricky space on our own journey to fatherhood. We are your hosts and husbands, Michael and Matt. And today we are going to talk to Becky Fawcett from Help Us Adopt.
1: You guys are the best. I mean, way to make a girl feel welcome. <laughs> Seriously. Uh,
2: good, I'm going to have to like set you I to my alarm like...
1: clock every morning. <laughs> <laughs> One thing you already said that I just want to address is I think you said the hiccups, you know, and I think when mm-hmm. people realize, you know, I get it that you guys knew you weren't going to have a baby the old fashioned way. I, I, I understand how that works. But I think whoever yeah, yeah. is listening, you know, I think when you leave, what we all expect growing up is how you're going to have a baby. And then people Mm -hmm. are like, you think there's no hiccups anywhere. And what I want to tell anybody who's listening is having a baby is risky business, period. It doesn't matter if you're a heterosexual couple and you have sex once and you get pregnant, that is nine months plus 21, 25 years of risk. Like this is not easy, and I think that there's so much talk out there of when you go into assisted reproduction or <clears throat> adoption or however you're having a baby that you have some control over the situation. And I just want to say, without being negative, you have no control over anything.
3: <laughs> exactly. This is, exactly.
1: This is have this tr- this actually trains you to become a parent. I now have two teenagers. And I have control over nothing. I don't tell them that, but truly, like, I have control over absolutely.
2: I just, like, I am already sweating because. (laughs) Yeah. As soon as we start these episodes and we have these conversations, I realize, again, yes, I don't have control over anything. But then again, I am a control freak. I am a perfectionist. Both of us. It is in my blood.
1: You you have to check that at the door. I mean, I am total (laughs) type A, controlling, domineering, whatever. You have to check it all at the door. But, you know, again, no matter how you become a parent, because... Just when you, even with a baby, like just when you think you're like, oh, I've got them on a sleep pattern and I've got them eating the right food. Well, the minute you're a fool enough to say that out loud about face switch, they're off the sleep pattern. They won't eat the food that you thought. So, They start
3: teething, everything changes, they get grumpy. It's
1: just one of those things that like, there are hiccups. So without being negative, without being a pessimist, brace yourself, Yeah, brace yourself. It's a wonderful road. You know, I became a mother twice through adoption. One was semi easy. The other one was not so easy. Um, And my kids are amazing every day. Like I wrote them a little note. I I leave notes for them all the time on the kitchen Mm. cabinet. Um, It started during lockdown when we had nothing else to do
0: and I would leave them
1: funny messages, but on mother's day, I wrote them, I wrote them a note and I just said, dear Jane and Brooke, I'm so grateful for whatever miracle brought you into my period. Because even though they are teenagers (laughs) and do their own thing and yell at me and don't clean up and whatever, they are these true miracles. Like they are just, you know, and people say, well, don't you want to have your own kids? And I'm like, people always say that about adoption, Um, you know, and they are my own kids. Like that I think is the biggest problem with adoption is, is I think that people really are like, can I parent someone else's child? Mm,
3: And it's
1: a little, it's a little different than that, right? Like you're parenting a child that did not come from your biology. Right. But you are that child's parent through adoption and they are your child through adoption. And the weirdest thing about this, and I always, you know, I'm not really a religious person. Let's check religious religion at the door. But
2: along with expectations and control and perfectionism. Yeah, we we have a long list of
1: crap. We got to check at the door. But I believe in something Mm -hmm, because these children, I have to pinch myself that they didn't come out of my body.
3: Yeah, you like you like forget you. about it. Probably yeah. I mean Yeah.
1: And I don't forget about it in a disrespectful way to right. adoption oh, to their birth parents. I forget about it and then I'm like, you know, at a doctor's office and they're like, Can you fill out the family history? I'm like, sure. And then mm-hmm. halfway through the family history, I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> oh,
0: well, it's a little for, embarrassing. This isn't there. oh, wow. yeah. Yeah. There's no family
2: history. Oh wow. I do think there's a cognitive gap there in like the general public's knowledge about adoption in the sense like because when I've thought about it that is kind of a mental hurdle to get over is you know this isn't a biological child of yours that you've brought into the world how do you and 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 I want to address this um maybe a little bit later because I do want to hear about you and and introduce you and hear where you're from but like how do you get past that mental gap of like um this is my child you know what?
1: I think society really did us a number here. Like the past generations really screwed you over here. They set up this mm-hmm. expectation that adoption was weird, that adoption was shameful, that adoption was full of secrecy, that adoption was the kids that no one wanted because there was something wrong mm-hmm. with them. And that is sort of the picture that society set up for the world. And so because of all that, people kept past generations, adoption a secret. And mm. I sort of woke oh, yeah. up, you know, I adopted my daughter seven. She said she'll be 18 in October. So I started this process almost 19 years ago. And I sort of had this moment in my head where I was like, why does no one want to talk to me about this? Like, I'm the only person I know who IVF didn't work for. No one oh, wants wow. to talk to me about adoption. And this is how I'm going to build my family. So I decided to become this loudmouth blonde who all she started talking about was infertility, miscarriages, failed IVF, $82,000 in IVF bills, adoption, birth parents, open adoption, adoptions that get, you know, and I just decided that like, these are human beings I'm adopting.
3: Right, exactly. they're going to be
1: my children. These are not, you know, these are not unwanted children. These are children that are born into, at least in my situation, they're born into a situation that is beyond their control. And in my kids' situation, the birth mothers and birth fathers, they knew that they couldn't give this child what they wanted to. And talk about making a mature, Jesus, that what a decision to make. Exactly. You know, your world's spiraling, but you make this amazing decision For the well-being of this baby, Mm -hmm. you know, to say, I can't give you what you really deserve, and I found a family that can give it to you.
2: I think you You brought up an important point of, like, just being cognizant of the fact that approaching adoption hmm, now, we have that old perspective still affecting us of you know, adoption is shameful. Adoption is a secret, something to hide, something to not talk about, something in the shadows. So I didn't, I completely forgot about that notion until you brought it up. And then I was like, oh my God, yeah. And so the thought that even us considering or thinking about adoption, just being mindful that the remnants of whatever those beliefs were in the 80s, the 90s, before then, like some of that could still be, be around in our brains you know we yeah it's fair and it's
1: scary and that's why i do these podcasts and i try to talk about this as much as i can on my platforms too is like i didn't want to adopt right and my kids know that okay so like there's no secrets my children know (laughs) that i didn't want to adopt and my oldest daughter jane when she was like six or seven years old she heard me say that in an interview and she goes jokes on you look (gasps) at how that turned out (laughs) <laughs> like I mean but and I'm like I did, it's it's not that I didn't want to adopt because of you it's because society scared the crap out of me society yeah. told me this couldn't work society yeah. told me you would hate me society told me the birth mother would come after me society told me we wouldn't be able to like bond mm-hmm. None mm-hmm. of that's true. Yeah. None of that is true.
3: Well, and the other thing I thought that you brought up that is that's important is that this is a mature decision on the behalf of the parents. It's not all parents giving kids up for adoption no. are irresponsible, no. did something like wrong. It was just like, no. look, a lot of people have unexpected pregnancies and they're yes. in um, in a situation where they're able to care for that child. And they're surprised that's happened in both of our families where they're like, oh, crap, I was yeah. not planning on this but yeah. I'm set up for it, right? So yeah. that could happen to anybody and and not everybody is in an economic space or um, a time in their life where, you know, that's an appropriate age or space to maybe bring a child into it. And yeah, it's a really hard decision.
1: Yeah, and some birth parents who place, they already have two or three kids.
3: Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah.
1: So yeah. it's the issue of another, yeah. you know, and again, I always tell people, I did a post on Mother's Day and I did a story on my on my Instagram and I was like, you know, people judge birth parents so unfairly because right. if someone were to take the three of us and granted I am probably old enough to be your mother's if I could have children, <laughs> but um and said to us, we're going to go back in your life when you were 15 to 25 and we're gonna look at every bad decision you made
3: yeah seriously
1: every yeah. bad decision you made and we're gonna look at every mistake you made and we're gonna publicly ridicule you and rake you over the coals and judge you for growing up literally and yeah how unfair would that be to me to you like awful
3: oh, totally and that's
1: what people do to birth mothers and I'm like we're not here to judge these women. We're here to support these women and help these women because I always say about my kids' birth mothers, they needed me and I needed them.
3: Seriously.
2: And this is a
1: partnership full of love and no judgment. No judgment, you know.
3: Can we start with just a little bit of like your history? Who Um, is Becky? Yeah, who is Becky? Where are you based? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your story? Who is Becky?
0: Who is Who is Becky? Oh,
1: my God. So Becky Fawcett is the oldest of five children, which is important only because becoming a parent was never a question of if for me I always knew Mm. I was going to be a mom always but because I was the oldest of five I also knew I did not want to have a baby right when I got married at 26 years old which Mm. can you believe I got married at 26 years old I mean talk about being a baby but like (laughs) I knew what came with it because I felt like I my sister is 20 years younger than me and then there's three boys in the middle so like I really felt like I'd already raised some kids and I knew what was involved. So, um, I was from Philadelphia. We lived outside of Philadelphia, um, in Villanova, right by Villanova university. And, um, you know, it's called mainline is the area and it's, Mm. I, I sort of call it land of the perfect. Um, you know, a lot of people there look like me and you don't talk about your problems, and if you have a problem, you close the doors, and you go fix it, and you come back out, and you're like, see, nothing happened.
2: Oh, like Desperate um, Housewives oh. suburbia.
1: A little bit, it's a little bit. and Steenia um, Lane. And so the problem with infertility and miscarriage is you can't fix it. And oh, so everybody man. starts to know, and you can't hide behind a door and then be like, ha I'm here. Um, and then when you say you're going to adopt, everybody knows because you're doing something different. At least back oh then, gosh. it was completely different. And um, so at any rate, as a publicist, I had my own PR firm. I was director of marketing in a magazine before wow. I did that. Um,
2: Can I just say goals? Hashtag oh, goals. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it was, I've had a pretty great career. I will say that. It's yeah, been that sounds good. great. I'm
2: like, it, it's been up. pretty good.
1: It's been pretty good. And then, you know, I ended up, long story short, shutting down my PR firm. Although once in a blue moon, I take on a project if it's interesting Mm. enough. And I run helpusadopt.org right now. So like for the last 16 years, like it's my job. I don't think I'll ever do anything else. It's what I love. Um, it's what I'm good at. Honestly, I always say like, I hit, I hit rock bottom. Mm -hmm. I hit rock bottom trying to have kids. It was bad. I was depressed. I was running out of money. Mm -hmm. Um, I was emotionally done. I was pain in so much pain from all the shots and all the procedures and all the whatevers. Um, You know, we did IVF five times and we got pregnant three times and had three miscarriages. One (gasps) at 16 weeks, 12 weeks and 10 weeks. Um,
2: Holy crap. You
1: know, it it, and again, looking back now, I had to have those miscarriages because my timing had to be on board for Jane. Mm hmm. So had I not had three miscarriages at the time I had them, this amazing creature would not be my daughter. So there is some interesting pieces of it but again i'd like my eighty two thousand dollars back and i did not need to have three miscarriages that is more than anybody needs to have
3: yeah Um, so how many years i mean like were you attempting to get pregnant the old-fashioned way for like a few years and then it wasn't working um
1: started started trying to get pregnant at 31 and then jane was born uh when i was 35 Four so it took years, me four yeah. years, which again, people are like, well, it's only four, four years.
2: years, but five IVF cycles.
0: And yeah. I mean, it's, it's just awful.
1: It's just, it's just awful. And then, you know, then Brooke's adoption, then we waited a little bit before we adopted Brooke and then Brooke's adoption took two and a half years, which was ridiculous. So mm. all in all, I was... I kept telling the adoption agency with Brooke, "I'm like, if I turn forty before this baby comes home, you're going to hear the scream from New York City. Get me this baby, guys! <laughs> baby, get me this baby." <laughs> so, <clears throat> Brooke was born when I was like thirty nine and three quarters. So, um, it took nine years basically to have two kids, and yeah, it nice. cost um, between the IVF and two adoptions. It cost almost two hundred thousand dollars in after tax dollars. And I know you guys oh have a God. different story too, because surrogacy is a whole different financial ball of wax. Right. Um, but remember, right. This was twenty years, thirteen, ago. and yeah, <laughs> and yeah, it was a long so, time ago. Like
3: yeah. you wouldn't
2: expect, I don't know, private adoption to amount to that much. I know, I know, you did it twice, but then yeah. even wow, yeah, that's quite a bit of yeah. money. What?
1: Yeah, it's it's a lot. And the worst part about it is. Look at our ages when we're trying to have kids. You know, it would be one thing if someone was like, I was 65 and I spent $200,000 to do this. Well, okay, so maybe you have it at 65. But in your 30s or late 20s, you don't have this money. If you have this money, you're supposed (laughs) to put it into a home.
3: You're supposed to be saving for retirement, not like trying to spend every
1: all last of, penny all
2: of your
3: savings and i mean i'm 31 now
2: so i'm i'm kind of like starting at a similar age that you were in the sense of yeah attempting to start a family and have kids mm-hmm. so yeah yeah i very much relate to the fact that like at this point in time no we're not made of money mm-hmm. and no
1: holy crap, and even if you are expensive. at what point could you really afford all this Right. Even at half a million dollars a year, can you really afford all this? I don't know. At mm-hmm. what point can you just write the check and be like, "I didn't even feel that." I, I <laughs> right. don't know. I mean, that's yeah. it's a lot of money. I don't know a lot of people who would be like, "I could write a check for fifty thousand dollars and not care about it." Not many no. people would ever say that. That's a no. lot of money.
3: It my brain money.
2: feels like it's hemorrhaging when I think about writing a check for <gasps> fifty thousand. Oh my god.
1: I had like heart palpitations putting those charges so like and calling American Express. I'm like, I'm going to need to raise my limit. And they're like, yeah. why? I'm like, well, I'm trying to have a baby and I'd like to at least get points. So when this goes South, I can right. go to Italy for a trip. Like, exactly. I, that's my I first mean, question
2: is like, do you take credit card? Because yeah. um, Literally. I need the points yeah. so that I could get a plane ticket somewhere after this, because I am stressed whether Absolutely. it's adoption or surrogacy <laughs> or ivf or whatever use your credit card right. save up right. those points <laughs> but if there is a surcharge because a lot of companies do a yes surcharge that's for the thing cards, i was gonna use say credit card it's not worth it
1: do not pay three percent to get oh crappy God, no. airline points that's that's uh-huh. not smart
3: so what options like like what resources did you have when you finally like made the decision to pursue adoption
1: there were none How did you,
3: how did you like, what did Uh, you do? Was there a Google at that point? What year is this? Like, like
1: I I first tried to find people who would talk about adopting and no one would. So that sucked. And then I went to my mm -hmm. dad, whose best friend from growing up is a lawyer. He's not an adoption attorney, but I was like, dad, can you ask Albert, excuse me, can you ask Albert if he knows any adoption attorneys? And Albert actually did know an adoption attorney. And. Hmm. We met with him, this guy, and we loved him. So that became very easy. Now, in today's day and age, it's a little easier to find this stuff. But back in 2004, it, no one wanted to talk about this. It was so rude. It's just so rude because, you know, I, I still say it today, I'm I'm a little at war with the IVF world. And if I had more time, I'd be a lot at war with the IVF world. And the reason I'm at war is not that I don't believe in it, not that I don't think people should do IVF. I told you follow your heart and your head until yeah. you need to have another. Yeah. Th- this is it. There's no judgment. You become a parent the way you want to. But 50% of the people pursuing adoption, I mean, IVF every year will not be successful. So if there's 8 million mm. people a year.
2: 50% of the people pursuing IVF will not be successful
1: if you go to the best doctor yeah. out there with the best lab with the best everything their success rate is 50 percent those are facts Yeah. those are facts those are lab facts live birth so my doctor claims that he was successful because he got me pregnant three times I think he's full of shit to say that I mm. think that takes some nerve to tell me you did your job that's nice it's not very sympathetic. Um, and that's my beef with the IVF world is like for the people you can't help or who mm-hmm. run out of money or who don't believe in all the drugs, which is a fair statement. Let's be honest. You, yeah. you put a lot of hormones into your body and other drugs. Yeah. Um, be kind, be kind, yeah. point them in the right direction. I, I recently talked to one woman whose IVF doctor said, if you think adopting is anything like having a biological child, boy, are you wrong. Walked mm. out of the room. You're well, kidding. How, how rude oh, is that? God. That is not supportive of family building. And my platform is let's build families. If you need so me rude. to walk you through, if you were to call me and be like, we're really at the end of our rope with with surrogacy, I yeah. could actually have a very you know, good conversation with you about let's talk it through. Yeah. Let, oh let's be objective. Let's see if you're real. And I'm not a therapist. I'm not, I haven't been through surrogacy, but I sort of know innately the questions to ask to be like, are you at the end of your robe? And if you are, what are your options? And maybe you decide we're going to be a childless family. Well, that's okay. Some people do. Yeah, and yeah. let's support them. Let's support them for being that brave and bold to say that. That's my beef is that you can't, just be after people to spend money with you on these procedures and not say to them at some point, this doesn't look good.
0: I yeah. know this
1: woman, she can help you. She can walk you through how to adopt. Here's her website. Like let, let's let educate people on, this doesn't have to be so scary and you don't have to be alone.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think <laughs> that is like a microcosm of like, I think the issue that we've seen being in healthcare, it's like what you spend at most places is what that person is going to make, and we want oh yeah that's people to be um, as um, fastidious and conscious of what people are are spending and whether or not that's going to truly, truly benefit help them? benefit them in like further their health. It's just tricky.
1: I'm being factual. Yeah. Um, it's for the one percent. Yeah, yeah. So let's be totally honest. Like, you know, it, it, there are people out there who I'm sure would love to do surrogacy. There's no way they could ever possibly afford it. So why yeah. would we make them feel badly about it, right? Like, or maybe they can't afford five or seven IVF cycles.
0: So, yeah.
1: Why would we make them feel badly for that? Why wouldn't we say, guess what? There are a lot of people in your boat. And they mm-hmm. are living very happy lives as parents. One of the ways you can do it is adoption. And let's talk about all of these options. Mm-hmm. And let's let these smart people say, "Well, that sounds interesting. And I could afford forty or fifty thousand dollars. You know, I can't afford one hundred and fifty or two hundred, but I could afford forty or $50,000.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this lady's making it sound. Not perfect. I'm not saying it's perfect, perfect. but less scary, less scary, less yeah. scary. Yeah,
2: a couple things there. One of them, like the the barriers that you have to get over in order to get to the point of adopting, one of those is the stigma that we talked about, that kind of like yeah. mental block. And yeah. you were just talking about it just now with, with how there's uh, maybe a sense of judgment and um, doubt placed on adoption of like, oh, well, that's not as good as having your own kid. Et cetera, et cetera. So, that viewpoint in general is a barrier to get over for it's many a huge people barrier. Adoption. And then, secondly, there's not a lot of information out there. From what you were talking about, it was very difficult for you to figure out what your steps were or what to do when you were looking at going from um, the IVF route to adoption. And yeah. that is a problem. And I think it's still a problem because. It's not that there's not information out there on Google if you research and you really dig in, but just throughout the general public, talking to other people who have, have experience in adoption or like finding people who have experience in adoption.
1: The other thing that scares people in addition to this stigma is the fact that they're like, okay, ready? This is what people say. Ready? Are you sitting ready. down? I see you're sitting We're, down. I'm but are you? very really comfortable couch. I'm puppying right
3: next myself. to me, so I'm okay.
1: You don't know what you're going to get. And what the the bottom line here is to I've heard that
3: before.
2: Um
1: having a baby through surrogacy is not playing God either. Mm-hmm. There are risks involved there. You don't know what you're going to get. Now, mm. can you guarantee through surrogacy that you, your surrogate is not going to do anything? She's gonna eat well, she's gonna go to the doctor, she's not gonna smoke pot during her thing, she's not gonna smoke cigarettes. Yes. Can you control those factors? Yes. But you cannot control genetics. Like you can't right. Things could happen. Right. I've had friends where it hasn't been a perfect surrogacy run and they were shocked, shocked, not expecting it. And again, having a baby, no matter how you do it, is risky business. So, that yeah. said, the second thing is, um, you know, in adoption, you make some decisions as adoptive parents. You can say, like, I cannot have, I can't go head on into severe special needs known medical issues, um, whatever your thing is. And there's Mm -hmm. nothing to feel badly about. These are choices in adoption that you do get to make that you can't handle necessarily. Some people, like I didn't adopt out of my race. I adopted two Caucasian children. Mm -hmm. I get a lot of grief for that, believe it or not. It's ridiculous, the grief, but It's just like being a
2: gatekeeper (gasps) for yourself, being able to say this is what I can handle, this is what I can do, and being honest. Other
1: people go head on into, they like, I want to adopt outside of my race. I want to adopt special needs. I want to adopt a kid with a severe medical issue because I want to do that. I'm equipped mm-hmm. to handle that. I can take care of that. And so I like to tell people like, you know, parenting is a lot of ups and downs, but mm-hmm. in adoption, you're not, it's supposed to be a blessing, not a burden. So yeah, that was yeah. told to me. That phrase was told to me in the beginning. And And it's
2: like personal responsibility, just taking ownership of what you can and can't handle. Yeah. That's part of it, you know? And And being honest with yourself. Yeah. Being honest with yourself, knowing that you have those options and choices when you move forward in adoption and being able to And
1: I think that's what also scares people is they're like, someone's gonna give me a baby with a congenitive heart failure. Like, no, no, no. Unless you go into it saying, I want to adopt a child with a heart problem. Because believe me, there are children with heart problems. There are babies with heart problems. That's not the road you're going to take because you get the choice, you know. Mm-hmm. And so,
3: yeah. So, how did you feel received when you started talking to? I'm. A, did you use an agency? Is that is that kind of how the so I've used both.
1: Went? I we used a private lawyer when we adopted Jane. We lived in Pennsylvania, and then when we moved to New York, um, it was. Adoption is state by state law, which is confusing. Hmm. It's not federal mm-hmm. law. And so in New York, we used a large agency outside of this state. Um, and so I've done it both ways. And um, how, you know, how
3: did that private lawyer find, uh, a, you know, set of parents that were placing their child for adoption? How does that work?
1: So way back then there, you know, it's a little different now because of the Internet. Um but way back uh, yeah. then, they placed. They worked with a um, social worker. Lawyers cannot identify birth mother, so they have mm. to work with either social workers or now you see a lot of people self-identifying birth matches um, on the internet, which is oh right, tricky. Yeah, it's very tricky because of fraud. And and uh, again, uh, if you're yeah. self-matching, are you trained to do this? I'm very hesitant about this whole self matching. I'm not a huge fan because I think people go into it with no training whatsoever and this is a big deal, mm-hmm. you know, screening birth mothers and asking them the right questions and knowing what to say and, you know, oh, it, yeah, you have to
0: be...
1: it's really tricky for many reasons, but um I don't want to jump too far off from one thing. So anyway, back when I was adopting, they would advertise And like place ads and papers and people, you know, they put in their expenses Um, paid, which is a terrible thing, but it's true. Like birth mothers don't realize that they have options to be taken care of. And that's another thing too, Mm -hmm. is that like, if these women were educated sometimes as to like what adoption truly is that like, it's open that, that you will be taken care of once you have a match for a certain period mm, of time, mm-hmm. it's all got legal boundaries on it. Um, but like a lot of these women are struggling or they're homeless or they can't put food on the table. And like, you know, they think that they're all alone in, in making this decision and what do they do? And I think a lot of the time is that no one takes the time to see, they're human. Mm -hmm. They're human. They may be dealing with this unplanned experience. And as I always say, they may be living a life that you don't think is okay. It's not your place to say that, but you might Mm -hmm. not think it's okay. They are human beings growing Mm -hmm. another human being in them. Like let's treat them with the respect and care that they deserve. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a really,
3: so is there a, um, like a thought process or a stigma that like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I could put my kid up for adoption because that would cost me money. I guess I didn't even think about that. I think, or like when I they- think
1: some people think, I think birth fathers especially think that if they sign, uh, general uh, again, these are some, not all. This All mm-hmm. my opinions are some, not all. But in the past, <laughs> birth fathers have been hesitant to come forward because they think they're going to be held responsible in some way. But that's not what adoption is. That's not mm. what it is. It's the transferal of parental rights. Sure. So, right. okay. you know, but it's better to have everybody involved, not only for their safety, like they have their own lawyer. We have our own lawyer. Um, but it's really great for the child as the child grows up. And it's great for the birth parents. Like, you know, my children's birth parents get to watch their children grow up. Our, oh, I always call cool. them our children. Yeah. It's not co-parenting, but I use the term <laughs> our children. Right. Um, you know, I, even with my younger daughter, her grandparents, I've seen them a couple times now, you know, grandmother oh. came to me. She goes for years. I just wondered if she was safe.
2: That's incredible.
1: You know? And I'm like, I'm yeah. so sorry. It took us so long to find you, but I wanted her to make the decision yeah. that she wanted to meet you. It wasn't my decision to meet you. It was hers. Um, but like that killed me i was like why didn't anybody tell you she was safe (sighs) right i know yeah that's kind of bizarre you know i again it's it's a system and that's why we as adoptive parents and concerned individuals we have to make an effort to change this system you know we have to make an an effort to have a loud voice um one of the things that i have done you know we were joking at the beginning. That if you were calling and being like, Becky, I think I'm going to adopt, that's how this conversation would go. So I had a lot of those phone calls for a long time and they were very time consuming and it got to be too much for me to handle on an ongoing basis. Um, So what I did on our website, on the homepage at the top, there's a big button that says adoption question mark, where do I start?
0: Mm. And
1: if you Mm. click there, there's six questions and some details about each question. And that is the phone conversation. Like I really had the phone conversation (laughs) with myself and wrote it down and there it is for P and that's where I direct people. I'm like, go read that, Yeah. think about it, and then we can talk
2: What is Help Us Adopt and what brought you into creating it? Yeah. Oh my God. What inspired you to do that?
1: First of all, Help Us Adopt for real, our mission statement is an adoption grant program that helps couples and individuals with the financial cost of adoption. We give grants up to $20,000. But the caveat and Help Us Adopt has become a national community of adoptive families, Mm -hmm. um, a community of people who are looking to adopt, and we've become a resource for people who are looking to adopt and a shoulder to lean on. But the main thing that we do is we're a grant organization. But everyone wants to know, like, why on earth did you stop having a successful public relations career and close down your business and do this. Mm -hmm, Like, did you always dream of doing a nonprofit? Like what on earth happened? And the answer is this was never on my radar screen. Um, (laughs) but,
3: (laughs) You're like, I didn't want to adopt. I didn't want to t- start a nonprofit. No, but I here didn't I want am. to
1: adopt. <laughs> I didn't want to do any of this. And here I am loving it and thinking I'm never not a way. doing anything. Life has a way yeah, of showing happen. you what you really should be doing. So, yeah. when we started to run out of money and we went into adoption, we had $40,000 left in our savings. That was it. Oh, and um, oh. that was what Jane's adoption costs. And I had a moment where I was very aware that while I didn't want to write the check, I could. (laughs) Yeah. And I was very grateful for that moment. And then I started asking the question like, okay, so what do people in my shoes do if they don't have this? What happens? And the answers were Mm. really bad. I mean, I don't want to waste a lot of time on it. It was basically like you made every bad financial decision ever in your life and Mm -hmm. really set yourself up for financial destruction to have one child or... You lived a childless life, not by choice. And that is a big distinction. I -hmm. have complete respect for people who choose to live a childless life. And I think that is a tremendous decision in our society because our society doesn't like that decision. Our society Mm -hmm. thinks everybody has to have children. Um, But if you get the choice taken away from you because of money, that is where I started to sort of dig because I was like, well, that's not right. That's not fair. Yeah, there's absolutely. too many children. There's too many children that need homes. So what, what are we doing
2: here? There's actually, what, like 400,000 something, 400,000.
1: That's oh, just yeah. in foster care. In foster
3: That's just care. in foster care, yeah. There's, what about actually,
0: upper... like,
1: there's actually like tens of tens of tens of millions of children around the globe who are homeless, period, mm-hmm. and living on the wow. streets and living in orphanages. And I mean, the problem, will unfortunately, will never be solved, but the problem is. We can make a difference. It we should
3: can make be a yeah, we can definitely make it better. Like there's so many avenues to make this thing so much better and more efficient. And a lot of like, people who want to have helpful.
2: kids, and there are a lot of kids who want to have families. So yeah. how do we make that and efficient? money
1: is standing yeah. in the way. So Oof. as a publicist, Oof. Oof. I looked oh. for an adoption grant program 18, 19 years ago. Um, because I was going to take them on as a pro bono client. And unfortunately, this is where this conversation gets really good.
2: Mm, (laughs) I'm getting my coffee ready. Get your coffee ready. This might be like champagne
1: and margaritas. Like this, this is where this call gets really good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I should have had a glass of like, yeah, something bubbly next to me. But this is where this gets really good. And this is where unfortunately, like for real, This is where I came to life as a human being at age 36. Um, The adoption grant programs that were out there when I started doing research 18 and 19 years ago believed that a family was a white woman married to a white God worshiping a very Christian, I'm sorry, a white woman married to married a, white, to a man white man worshiping. I know. Sorry. A white afternoon. I'm exhausted. Your husband's going to love that. I no, know. A white, a
3: white, God, white woman
1: yes. <laughs> married to a white man worshiping a very Christian God. And they would specify how you were going to adopt. You were going to adopt by their terms. Hmm. And then they might give you $2,000 to help with this problem of $50,000. And it was just it. Okay. So,
3: so it was like, here's some pennies for being a very specific demographic. They, they they make you adopt by their terms?
1: Oh, yeah. Like they would say, we will only help you if you adopt a special needs girl from China. Well, what if you don't want to adopt a special needs girl from China? What if you wanted oh to- back then Ethiopia was open? What if Ethiopia was your heart was set on? Or what if you wanted a domestic newborn baby? So but that was actually not my initial issue. My initial issue was this is how we're defining family? Are you kidding? Like, are you kidding? So first of all, all these organizations, at least they would say, we don't support a single parent household, but they wouldn't even talk about the LGBT community and people of color. They wouldn't even have those words on their website. It was as if they had erased these communities from their mindset Of who, I mean, I was appalled, appalled. And everybody's like, well, you're a white woman and married to a white man. Why do you even care? And I was like, oh my God, are you you kidding? Just because the rules don't apply to me doesn't make them right. This is horrific. This is horrific. And I know what I look like, but I don't think I'm the definition of a family. Are you kidding me? I'm a family. I was so upset by how discriminatory these adoption grant programs were and they're legally allowed to it's like an insurance company like what? an insurance company oh. can deny coverage to anybody they want to um oh my and God. these grant organizations There's like
2: discrimination almost like written into law of like oh, oh yeah you're a private company okay yeah do whatever you want it's like, terrible you can it's so weird and it makes me so
1: mad i knew that family equality was a big deal 17 years ago, 18 years ago. So Mm -hmm. I sat down and wrote the mission statement for help us adopt that we help everybody. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. a little longer than that. It doesn't say we help everybody, but our main platform (laughs) is family equality focusing on, obviously we help Caucasian heterosexual couples. No one has to write me an email and complain about that. (laughs) We help everybody. But every day I get up waving a huge stick and screaming for people of color, the LGBT community, and single parents. And I am mm. technically not a member of any of those communities. And that is becoming my life's work. A $20,000 grant is a lot of money. A $5,000 mm-hmm. grant is a lot it's of money. Like of This money. is a pure yeah. gift. Mm-hmm. This I didn't want to create a loan. I wanted to be... You introduced me as the adoption fairy. Well, I, I am.
0: <laughs> I, I Which wish I had
1: to a me.
2: wand. Like, I, yeah, I, right. want to, I want to like clarify this. You give out grants. You give out money to to people who want to adopt. Yeah, like
1: who are sitting at home going, how how the hell am I coming up with another fifteen or twenty thousand? I mean, listen, if someone called me today and said, "Becky Fawcett, in your lovely life in New York City." You need to pay a bill of fifteen or twenty thousand dollars in the next three weeks, or something doesn't happen. Hmm. I don't. I I'd probably have to dig into my retirement. I don't know what I would do.
2: I'd be like, well, I guess it's not like, happening. How
1: do you go? <laughs> like, you don't go out and earn fifteen thousand dollars no. in three weeks. Like, no. you know. I mean, it's it's really it's a very challenging thing. The cost of adoption, it really is. And if you You know, the most of our country, the average household income is $54,000. And adoption costs more than their take-home pay. Mm -hmm. But somehow, these miraculous families are getting like three-quarters of the way there.
2: Are there still a lot of companies out there working in adoption that basically um, either explicitly or implicitly deny access to their services to minorities lgbtq yes. communities and people yes. they would determine as not fit to be parents yes based off yes. of some other yes. arbitrary fact they yes
1: it. there are agencies and lawyers who will not work with certain groups for that exact reason still <sighs> i mean when i started to help us adopt so that was back in 2007 i think there were nine states where lgbt adoption was illegal and now oh, that wow. has changed. God. So that's gone. That that those laws have all been changed. But there are still adoption professionals that won't do it, or that don't believe in like single black women becoming mothers through adoption, or don't believe in Muslims adopting.
3: Th- that's so is bizarre. That, is
2: that mostly like religiously affiliated?
1: The agencies specifically, a lawyer can very easily say. I can't take you on. I'm full to capacity because a lawyer is like a single person. So it's a little more, if you've got someone who's being discriminatory, it's a little easier to hide that way because a lawyer can only work. One person can only work with so many families at one time, Mm -hmm. but an adoption agency is built to handle a lot of families at once. Their business model is different and they all hide their hatred behind religion
2: that's what i'll take the money but then they'll not
1: some of them won't even take the money some of them will say flat out we won't help you and i've heard you cannot sign up with us people
2: have gone through the foster system or a private adoption agency and have waited for years and years and years to adopt and never it hasn't come through they haven't gotten anything and i'm like no it's terrible
0: well Well, it's
1: terrible and then they're afraid to say anything because they're like if i say anything they'll they'll blackball me and i always tell people like and one of my friends who's one of the good guys she's an adoption attorney here in new york city she gets so mad at me when i say this i'm like (laughs) adoption professionals work for us and she's like please stop saying that i'm like i'm so sorry (laughs) but it's true we are writing you very big checks. We are the customer. You are the service provider. I go, that doesn't mean that as the customer, I can doubt your judgment. But if I call you, you have an obligation to call me back. And there are a lot of, and I go, not you to my friend, but -hmm. there are a lot of adoption professionals who will take three weeks to call one of their clients back. And that's not uh, okay. No, like, not. that's not okay. Or the social worker will just blow them off, blow them off, and not answer a question. Not okay. So hmm. I'm the loud voice of reason saying, you keep calling till you get hmm. an answer. And if they blackball you, now you have a lawsuit because that's illegal. Like, you can't blackball someone for no. asking questions about their adoption they're paying $50,000 for. Come on. I no. mean, and I'll probably get in trouble for saying that out loud, but it's true. It's like... You can't treat people like this. Yeah, Seriously. and there can but, definitely be you know, a little bit
2: of a power struggle between uh, between dynamics of agency and customer.
0: You know, and... and
1: again, if if a family's struggling, they really don't think they have the power to say, "You must call me back." But guess what? Mm. They must call you back. You have to be a reasonable human being. Like you know, you can't be saying, "Are you cooking me dinner tonight?" Why haven't you cooked me dinner tonight? <laughs> um, but you can you can ask reasonable questions about your adoption and if nothing's happening which it did for me on the second adoption nothing was happening for months i needed to know why so i didn't lose my mind
2: and then you show up at their house and you demand an answer no i'm kidding and you demand dinner so
1: i hate to say this but i did tell my adoption agency (laughs) i'm the crazy woman i said if you do not call me back this is the third or fourth phone call i've left you Mm -hmm. in 24 hours i'm getting on a plane and if you <gasps> find me sitting in your office, you're going to be very like you're leaving <laughs> you, me no choice. This will
3: not go well for you. <laughs> I wish I
2: had the guts to do that.
1: Like my yeah. second adoption cost sixty-three thousand dollars. And there was a period where no one would call me back.
2: And you're like, That's wait, rude. what am I paying for? Why like, like what?
1: Are you kidding? You have to call me back. You're the service provider.
3: Wait, can you um uh maybe do like a a very basic breakdown of like why adoption even costs that yeah, much money? That's like, I, yeah, I think it's so, not, not been a great answer.
1: About... So the number one thing is adoption professionals set the rate fact. So mm. if there's yeah, any adoption right. professionals listening that don't like my answer, you guys set the rates and you guys have the ability to do this for less if you want to fact, but we're not asking anybody to work for free. We're asking people to be fair, right? Mm-hmm. Um the inherent problem with adoption is that there is no one, if we're talking about domestic adoption, the birth parent side, they're not paying their bills. Who's they're going to hire a lawyer? Are you kidding? They're not hiring a lawyer. Wow. So adoptive parents have to pay for both sides, and that's okay. where it gets expensive. I have to have a lawyer for myself or the agency. Um, They need a lawyer. I need a social worker. They need a social worker. I have court papers. They have court papers. Once you're matched with a birth mother, you do. If they need support, whatever the state legal guidelines are, you have to pay that support. And then there's, if they have insurance, you pay the deductible. If they don't have insurance, those are big medical bills
2: you'd have to pay the medical bills. That kind of blows my mind a little bit to think think about like the, the medical bills lands on the adoptive parents.
1: Yes. And, and the sad the part room. is everybody wants to get paid. They don't care who it is. They're like, the attitude is, and again, if someone does, is listening who says, God, that's rude. The attitude out there is <laughs> Keep it real. someone's, I'm doing quotes. Someone is paying this bill. That is yeah. the attitude out there. The attitude out there is not oh, my God, this precious child just came into the world and had nowhere to go. And right. let's, let's welcome capitalism. I'm just, I'm just that's thinking not about the that. the attitude. Like,
2: hello? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the alternative? If nobody's, like, so that's the thing. Yeah. is like adoptive parents, whether or not they're going to be adopting this child, the baby is going to be born. And if at the hospital, like... That's just going to happen. Sorry. I don't know if that bill's going to get paid or not, but like, how is that the adoptive parent's responsibility? And, and
1: again, you're not going to provide medical treatment to that woman giving birth. Women die during childbirth. Are you right. kidding? Like, yeah. of course you're providing care to that woman. You took I just a think medical it's weird oath. That, Like
2: If there wasn't an, an adoptive parent for this child, meaning no one's going to adopt this right. child and they're just no parents. Mm, okay. That's fine. Nobody has to pay for the medical bill. Right. But right, exactly. as soon as there's an adopted I mean, parent, they have to pay for the medical bill now.
1: I've seen cases where families could afford the adoption, so to speak, and then they were slammed with birthing bill of forty or fifty thousand dollars. And then they were like, Whoa, How the hell do we shit. pay for that? We already paid for a fifty thousand dollar adoption. Now we have a hospital bill of fifty thousand dollars. And again, that doesn't happen all the time. But
2: right. but it can happen.
1: It can happen, and then if you're adopting internationally, the orphanages stand in for birth parents. So there's a country fee, and there's an orphanage fee, and there's some shady other stuff that happens where you're told to bring cash to the country. And
2: countries that uh, LGBTQ plus people can adopt from specifically at this time are only Colombia and South Africa. Yes, that
1: is true. That is true, Mm -hmm. and that's been true for some time. It's very yep. different. Countries have, like, China is closed now, and will, in my mm-hmm. estimate, will never reopen. Um, but China mm-hmm. had um, an obesity rule for for <gasps> adoptive parents and a uh, yeah, a, a body. Oh what is it? A gosh. BMI? They have a BMI yeah. rule. Um, I no mean, way
3: so arbitrary.
2: We're
1: talking about a kid in an orphanage that needs to come home, and you're going to judge someone on the size of their body.
2: You're going to, to determine whether or not that child has parents based off of their weight. <laughs> oh, God. So obviously there's huge yeah. issues in the adoption system, and I very much appreciate you being here and explaining some of this because it's stuff that I wasn't aware
1: of.
3: Going yeah, well, it. and it, it, also, it also sort of, like, sheds light on the, oh, my gosh, you guys are going through a surrogacy. Like, why don't you just adopt? And it's like...
1: Ugh. Oh, that's a tough like, one, too. Why don't you just, just I mean, adopt? Like,
3: I understand, I understand where that might seem like the most obvious and simple choice, but it is not obvious and simple all the time.
1: It's not (laughs) obvious and simple. Uh,
3: Another question I have is how
2: do you, how do people separate the good eggs from the bad eggs when it comes to adoption agencies? I know.
3: Cause when you go on Google and you're just like adoption, no, and you can't, no, 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 no,
1: do not everybody listening, everybody listening. If you take one thing away from this very long podcast, full of information, do not Google how to adopt. You will hide under your bed and hyperventilate and cry. And you'll be like, I can't do this.
0: Mm -hmm. There's a lot of negative
1: voices (laughs) in adoption, and they're all keyboard cowboys, and they're all out Mm. there. And the good voices are not getting engaged in that, and the good voices are not as vocal as the bad voices. So that's the first thing. The other thing is this. you got to be aware of the – I call them the wolves in sheep's clothing. Um, There are – really good people out there. Um, We have an Adoption Professionals Council on our website, which is in the link, Adoption, How Do I Get Started, that I told you all about, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and and we can start there. And if like, I've had LGBT people call me and be like, can you tell me four agencies that specialize in LGBT adoption? Yes, Um, you know, the thing is, you have to do your homework, okay? So you do need, just like you said, you're like, I don't know where to go to talk to someone who adopted, and usually every, I tell people, once you decide you at least want to even look at adoption, start talking about it. Because I'm telling you guys, Michael and Matt right now, you yeah. absolutely know people who've adopted or who are adopted or who have already, you, you absolutely do. True, but you true, haven't yeah. talked about it enough. So these people haven't come out of right. the woodwork. And yeah. the minute you start talking about it, you're going to be like, I cannot believe I've been friends with you for 10 years and you never told me you were adopted.
2: I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, that. I think when you mentioned um, that I'm like So you know, that's the first thing. quite a few people but haven't talked to them about it.
1: Do your homework. Like call an agency or a lawyer and be like, "Do you work with gay men who are adopting?" And when they take a pause, you say, "Thank you very much. Have a nice day." And then you keep mm. going until someone's <laughs> like, "Yeah, we have 5 couples in at the moment. Would you like to talk to them?" Because
2: Yeah. People oh. once you're in it
1: We want to talk to other people. So ask them for a referral or ask Brian at Gays with Kids for a referral or come to help us adopt and be like, do you have a gay family who's been through it that we could talk to or whatever your case may be? Um, But that is true. Like you do like if you are um, whatever category of family and you call a Christian agency that specializes in white heterosexual couples and that's not what your family looks like that is not the agency for you and right. that mm-hmm. not that it's okay but it's okay keep moving
3: right
2: there Do are you know there
1: are adoption professionals many-
3: agencies like there are even like oh in well the US. I mean, anybody like,
1: can set up a shingle
3: right exactly that's that's that's, <laughs> that's the shingle. tricky thing with <laughs> that's a tricky thing with i think surrogacy agencies as well is like that yeah. there's yeah there there can be yeah. so many and they
1: well, can be big ones small, the one. here's On top, the deal
3: and a
2: website here's the
1: problem an and example. i'm glad you looped surrogacy into it because it's fair criticism of all of it same yeah. with ivf there's money to be made.
2: Exactly. Oh my God. Yeah, I know, there's money to like,
1: be made, and these people, I loop myself in. These people are desperate to be parents. They'll do anything.
3: Do you have? Do you know any states um, specifically? Like, there are some states that are like, in general, no matter who you are, no matter how you identify, um, they're just like not good for surrogacy. Um, are there certain states that are just like these are just not? not they don't have great laws on the books for adoption. And so, like, maybe if you live in these states, like, just be aware of that. Well, so, new York is Literally, tricky. New, York new York is, York is not really new.
1: hard. You know, I, I wouldn't say there's any bad states to adopt, but where okay. adoption is tricky, where adoption is, you just have to know the laws. Like, yeah. you know, there's, there's the Quad A, it's the American Association of Adoption Attorneys. That's a good group. You can go on their website, you can search by state, and then... Within that, I mean, but they that's an association. Okay. So their members police themselves, if that makes sense. So if there's huh. a member who is not acting ethically, the other members will have them removed from the association. So, like, that's a really okay. good place to look. And you can look geographically. And I tell people, like, you know, ha you have to people are like, well, I don't want to spend six hundred dollars for the two hundred for the two hour consultation fee. I'm like, well, you have to. And if you can't right, spend six hundred dollars right. to learn about adoption with the right person, then you're really not gonna like the bill of fifty thousand dollars mm. that you get at the end of the day. Like Yeah,
2: that's true.
1: It, no one can work for free anymore. And that is understandable. Yeah. It's understandable. And right. most of these attorneys, if you book the two hour session for like $600 or whatever it is. If you hire them, they typically credit you.
2: One thing that came to mind just before we close out is that I often kind of mix the thoughts between the foster system and private adoption. Um, I kind of like mix those worlds up in my mind. Uh, I was wondering if you are able to help differentiate those of uh, what is the difference between private uh, private adoption yeah. and like and foster public. care, foster to it. Yeah. And I think they sort of yeah. have a little overlap once you I actually start signing the to hear, papers. Just, like,
3: how to, yes.
1: How to yes. I mean, in the end, you adopt a child, but in the foster to adopt, the foster system was designed and functions to remove children from a not safe or unstable environment and puts them in a foster situation that supposedly is safe Mm -hmm. until the biological situation can take them back home until they can be reunified with their biology. Mm -hmm. The guidelines for that, again, are: I'm being factual. No one's Mm going to like this one either. They're loose. They're loose. They're loose. Um, You know, you have a lot of situations that make you uncomfortable because of behavior and criminal activity and drugs and things like that. But the kids go back because in the foster care, well, in the adoption in general, blood trumps adoption. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was told that many times going through the process. And, um, so the problem with foster care is that the child can be removed from your home. Mm -hmm. That's a hard thing. Um, Some people are wired for that. Some people are not because the flip side is fostering is free and adopting through the foster care is free. And if you adopt, you end up getting a monthly stipend until your child is 18 or 21. The Mm -hmm. stipend is meant for the child, not Mm -hmm. for you. It's for the child. Um, To cover um,
3: expenses that you incur because you're trying to feed and clothe a child. And And
1: yes. And so... You know, it's a really great thing. There are, as you said, over 400,000 children a year in the foster care system. Mm -hmm. I do not know. So here's where it gets tricky. People want babies.
3: Mm -hmm. Right. And a lot of them are not.
1: It happens. It happens in the foster care system. um, But it's rare. And what truly the children that are truly available and have been um, the papers have already been signed from their biological parents and they're available for adoption or teenagers and they're teenagers who have been through hell and back again mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. not everybody is up for that it's mm-hmm. it's another reality of adoption
2: so what would you say to uh prospective par- people who want to be parents and want to start a family and want to adopt and they might be um you know having some questions about finances and and how yeah. like how do they look into applying for a grant through help us adopt
1: what we've really tried to make help us adopt be is a fully transparent website driven organization Mm -hmm. so Yes, we are here. If you have a question, there's an info email on our website, and you are all more than welcome to email there. You will get a human response. We're on social media. I'm on social media. You will get a human response if you message Yay. us there too. I always say, as long as it's kind, I don't answer. <laughs> yeah.
0: <have to>
1: <laughs> don't answer angry emails. Um, everything's on our website. The application is online. It's free of charge. There's no there's no secrecy here. We have an FAQ page. We have a guideline page. We have testimonials. We give grants up to $20,000. We have our deadlines out there. Uh, you know, it. and again, if you look at that this year and you're like, Oh my God, I, I, I can't make the last deadline. I'm not going to, we're here next year too. We're not going anywhere. This is an ongoing, That's you know, I love. have built this thing. We're not going anywhere, but Applying too early doesn't help you either. Like that's, Mm. we're not startup money. You really need, and again, if you have a question of whether you should apply now or wait till the next grant cycle, email email info at Help Us Adopt and say, this is where I am. I might be too early because, you know, we don't have enough money to give away. Yeah, That's the hard part. We get $14 million of requests a year and I have 1.2 to give away. (gasps) And I'm not telling you that to be negative or to scare you off, because someone's walking away with that money. So it sh- might as well be you. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are always looking for strong LGBT applications. We mm-hmm. don't get enough of them. I'm telling you really? right that public we don't. They're the we That's get the shocking. most applications. This is a public
2: request that for shocking. LGBTQ plus people to put oh, your. Application I've been asking in to help for
1: 16 years. I've been asking for 16 years. I'm like, where That's... are all the gay people adopting? Help us adopt. They're this literally. They're all independently begging wealthy. begging
3: for people to sign up <laughs> so that they can give money away. For oh my gosh. <laughs> well, one statistic that I was reading um, was that of like um, same-sex couples, it's something like 20-ish, 20-some percent of female-female couples are raising kids. 8% of like same-sex male couples are raising kids so that's probably a lower number than obviously like heterosexual, heterosexual couples. couples yeah like, when you take it when right you now, take the percentage of it right well right so,
1: now we give really pretty consistently we've given like 18 to 19% of our money to the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And most people are like, Becky, that's, that's so great. Well, I don't nice. think it's great.
3: Like, more,
1: I don't think more, it's great. More,
0: more, more. I think it
1: needs to be like 25, 30%. Let's but go. the only way yeah. I can get that money, and my board believes that, and our donors believe that, like this is what we do. And the, the LGBT community in the world of adoption grants is underserved, which means it's a highlight button for us. Mm-hmm. period and so but again i can only give the money away if we get the applications like i can't just magically
3: we will be just spreading the word i might be (laughs) filling out
2: an application i mean yeah this woman (laughs) is begging
3: to give you money (laughs) at this point that's amazing well, yes. I have everybody. learned so much from this conversation. Yeah, there's like 18,000 things that for, I didn't know. Thank you for opening my mind to.
2: Oh my
1: god! Adoption. And I've been yes. so comfortable yes. and outspoken. I'm sure to get hate mail from some of the things I've said,
0: you but it's what? all worth it. That means it's you're all doing a good it. thing. If you're if you not making, if, mail, <laughs> if yeah. you're
3: not making somebody upset, you're not doing it right. You know? Yeah. 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 But <laughs> <So> we <love laughs> really. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Becky, yes. Oh my gosh. can't wait to talk more in the future. Yeah. Seriously. It was so great. In touch
1: we're all in this together because none of us are having babies the way we thought we would when we were kids. None yeah, of us yeah. are. So that puts us all in the same boat. And I sit, think the sooner we all realize that, like it doesn't matter who you love. It, if you're in this, like I'm going to have a baby a different way. We need to support each other.
0: Yeah. You absolutely. know, that's
1: just, the, that's just it.
3: Okay. So what do you think? Oh my gosh. Well, you heard it here. If you're a gay couple, <laughs> go apply for a grant. Get, yeah, get some babies. Um, no, that, <laughs> just that's pretty incredible.
2: I, had a lot of questions answered and I'm processing. I think Michael you and I both do want to adopt in the future mm-hmm. and we're still trying to determine like what that timeline looks like and whether or not we're going to go <laughs> to foster to, to adopt, private adoption or yeah, I mean there's so many things to consider. Finances each, being one of them.
3: And that's why I think it's so it's so nice to to have somebody like Becky who's who was like I see this, this is messed up. This is hard. I'm going to try and do everything I can to yeah, like, true. There's a lot diminish, of up stuff about diminish it. Diminish the financial burden. Cause that's usually, I mean, unfortunately it's probably the, the biggest hurdle, right? Because yeah. I think that there are a lot of, there are a lot of amazing people out there who are well-meaning, who could give of themselves, mm-hmm. but like, just because you're a wonderful person, you have a huge, you know, huge heart and do you also have a huge paycheck do you uh, yeah it's just like not those those things don't always align um and i hate that like finances come into this so much uh similarly like finances come into healthcare uh in general yeah. right There's like in other here other countries you know they're like oh my god i can't believe you have to worry about healthcare costs right like you wouldn't have to worry about paying for your adopted child's birth at a hospital in most other like developed countries that have right. universal healthcare because it's literally covered under the government. It doesn't matter. It's so, it's just like we kind of get in our way, something, all things to consider as we sign off. Yeah. But yeah. thank
2: you so much for listening to this podcast, for learning with us. Um, we're just excited to be here and excited to be doing this with all of you.
3: Yeah. And I'm just hopeful that we can be a resource for people um, as we, you know, get some face time with, with people in, uh, different parts of this family building a community and if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast make sure to leave us a rating leave us a review
2: it helps us immensely it helps our podcast um, or helps other people find our podcast so yeah. anyone else who is out there and needs information and wants
3: to learn absolutely and i think that's all we have yeah great so, again well, we'll see you next time thanks for listening and as always daddy's, daddy's
2: out, out